Hey, here's where we're going. Number one, why would a great and mighty God allow the devil to do what we just read in the Scripture? Number one, the reason the Lord put on my heart, there may be more reasons, but at least this, to show us that even though things look out of our control, they're under his control, and he will indeed take control. He'll take control. We just read in the chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, verse 1 and 2, I saw an angel come down. Here's the first reason to show that when it looks like things are out of control, Jesus takes control. That brings great peace to my heart to know that I'm not in control, but he is in control, and therefore I can put my life under his control. <laughs> Let me say that again. I'm not in control. You're not in control. Uh, the devil's not in control. God's in control, and that means I can put my life, and you can put your life under his control. That's where you find peace. Maybe that's what you need to do right now. Maybe that's what God's telling you to do. Stop trying to run things yourself. Stop trying to leave me out of your life. Stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to... Uh, in the energy of the flesh, be in control of everything. And when something goes out of your control, you go in a frenzy. I'll tell you, we have panic attacks and anxiety disorders and so forth and so on. Why? Oftentimes, it's because we want to be in control. Come on, talk to me. And when things get out of control, that's why right now it's better just to go ahead and live a lifestyle of of daily surrendering didn't mean it didn't mean hear me hear me it doesn't mean that when things hit us from the blind side that we don't get knocked off our feet but ultimately the Lord will lead us back to surrendering our will to his will y'all aren't excited as I am about that y'all aren't excited as I am that man that's a real breakthrough buddy when you go through something how many y'all been through some stuff let me see your hand y'all all been through some stuff man you, uh, Jim, and, man, I, you know, Marcia, I'm looking at everybody. Y'all been through some stuff, Ronnie, and uh, everybody's been through some stuff. And, man, I tell you, it's just a blessing to know that uh, the Lord is there. It, you, you might fall down and you might go down, but how many know is solid, the rock is solid, Jesus Christ is solid, and when we go down, we can put our feet on the rock, William, and say, hallelujah, I know that my Redeemer lives. He's proved himself over and over again. He's not going to let us down now. He's not going to stop being God. He's going to be with us forever and ever, and I want to tell you, everybody needs a God like that. Woo, glory. Glory, glory. Man, God is so great and mighty. But, but why would the Lord do this? Well, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit, great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, the Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Number one, Satan is arrested. You know what? Here's what I conclude out of that, Evan. That is one strong angel. Jackie, can you imagine one angel, Thomas? Can you imagine one angel, Kenneth, to bind the enemy? All God has to do, all he's got to do, David, is do this. Ken, uh, Ronnie, just, just one angel, dispatch, go get the devil, chain him up. That is a strong, I don't know who that angel is. I can guess at it. That's a strong angel. 
Doesn't that bless you to know that the, the God, <laughs> oh yeah, the devil's, he's strong. Now I like one little boy put it this way. He said, he said, Daddy, is the devil stronger than me? The devil said, yes, son, the devil's stronger than you. He said, Daddy, is the devil stronger than you? He said, yes, son, the devil's stronger than me. The little boy said, but wait a minute, Daddy, is the devil stronger than Jesus? And the daddy said, no. And the little boy said, well, then I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of him. Maybe he's not stronger than Jesus. And he's not. So here is the deal. From eternity past to eternity future, it's been one battle. It's been one battle. And we find in the book of Genesis. Now, how many know that the Bible unfolds from Genesis to Revelation a description of a cosmic battle between good and evil? It seems like today, if you just look on the outward appearance, that it looks and appears that the devil is in control. In fact, I remember reading in Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel 28, there was a day when Lucifer, the fallen angel, said, I will be like God. And because of pride in his heart, God ejected him out of the third heaven, not the first heaven, or the second heaven, but the third, the very abode of God. And consequently, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Well, the devil lost power. And let me just carry you back to that scene in the garden. God made Adam and Eve. Adam in his image gave Adam a helper, Eve, and placed him in the garden. And you remember, gave them dominion. That's very important. God gave Adam and Eve dominion. He gave them authority to do what? To name all the animals. At that moment, God delegated his authority to Adam and Eve. But wait a minute. The devil wasn't finished. Satan now, who is a fallen angel from Lucifer, he begins to plot and plan and say, how can I get authority back? How can I get some control back? Aha! He pulls out of his tool chest one of his well-known tools that's continually used even today, and he plots and plans and his subtle strategies, he lays the bait, the bait right there in front of Eve. Hath God really said... Oh, yeah, God said we can do anything in the garden, said Eve, but do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In the day we eat it, we will surely die. We'll surely die. What she mean? Die progressively physically, but die spiritually immediately. No, 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 no. God hadn't really said that, said the devil. No, 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 no. God hadn't said that. Here is that subtlety of the devil. Here is that scheming of the enemy. Here is that uh, uh, deception of the enemy telling half lies. Why? God knows the day you eat it, you'll be like him. Hmm. Really? I'll be like God? You know, there's something in me that wants to be my own God. And there's something in people that wants to be their own God. But I come to grips that I'm not my own God. Unfortunately, a lot of people have not come to that place. And evolution, as you know, progresses into humanism, which advocates and ultimately ends in man is his own God. Humanism. That's why people reject the Bible, not because it rejects itself, but because it rejects them. We're sinners by nature, choice, and birth. Yet, go back to the garden. 
And so Eve saw the fruit was good to eat. It would make her wise. And she took of the fruit and gave it to her husband. Sin came in the world. The enemy said, I've won now. I've got control back. I had a lady come up to me. I was preaching on uh, a text similar to this uh, a few couple of years ago in Lake City, Florida, in a revival meeting. And I mentioned about Adam and Eve in the garden and the serpent and the fruit. She came up to me. She was from China. She said, Pastor, I got news for you. I know that Adam and Eve were not Chinese. I said, well, how do you know that? She said, if Adam and Eve would have been Chinese, they would have eaten the serpent instead of the fruit. I said, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay, I get it. But look, here's the point. The point is, enemy has got ground now. We call that Satanocracy. Say that with me. Satanocracy. Say that with me. Satanocracy. One more time. That means we've gone from a theocracy to a Satanocracy. The Lord, in His ultimate and infinite wisdom, permits the enemy to have a certain amount of ground, though He is on a leash. I said, He's on a chain. I said, He's not in control. And I derived that particular conclusion that the devil still got a certain amount of control today because of the passage that Matthew gives us in Matthew 4. You remember in Matthew 4, do you remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? You remember that? Remember what the devil told him? Three different occasions using the same strategy, the same tool that he pulled out of the tool chest with Eve, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. And finally, remember what Satan said, the devil, to Jesus when they carried him up on the mountain? Here's what he said. Bow down and worship me, said the devil, and I'll give you all of this kingdom of the world. How could he do that? Well, you can see from Genesis all the way, here is a thread that's interwoven from Genesis all the way up to the book of Revelation. Even now, we're presently in the middle of this where the Lord has allowed Satan to have a certain amount of control. But ultimately, we're going to see that he will be cast into the lake of fire. And so here's the, uh, the, the uh, indication. Can I put it this way? Y'all ready for this? Everything that we see is not always as it appears. Let me say it again. Everything that we see is not always as it appears. What do I mean? Do you know, I thought about one Indian tribe when a young Indian reached the age of 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old, he would have to go out, it was a custom, a part of his manhood. He would go out into the woods at night all by himself. No weapons, nothing. He would have to stay out in the woods, pitch black dark, all night long by himself. No gun, no knife, no bow and arrow, no weapon at all. And you know a young teenager that age, it's very frightening as you hear the howls of the wild animals in the distance. You can imagine the fear sitting out there by yourself all night long, pitch black dark, wondering if a wild animal was going to attack him without hardly any defense. It seemed like the clock would go at snail speed. And yet, 
listen, in the morning, as the sun would come upon the horizon, the young boy, now a teenager, to his surprise, would look behind him. There was his father with his bow drawn all night long. Can I tell you something? It might seem like you are alone or I'm alone. But I got news for you. There are angels all around us. The angel of the Lord encamps around and about them that fear him and delivers them, Psalm 34 says. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Everything that we see is not always as it appears. Why would a good God, a great and mighty God, allow the devil to be bound for 1,000 years? Why? To show us that the devil's not in control, even though it looks like he's in control. But God's going to take control, number one. Now, secondly, there's a second reason that I want you to consider with me. Number two, to give man a free choice. Why would God allow this and permit this in this millennial reign? Why would God now? Why doesn't God just uh, put the devil in hell right now? Well, to give man a free choice. We're free moral agents. How many believe that? Raise your hand. We are free moral agents. We're not... Uh, robots God gave man with a choice to choose to reject or accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior and to obey and listen not follow the devil but follow the Lord Jesus Christ I find this in chapter 20 verse 7 and 8 look up here please here it is and when the thousand years are expired imagine now can you get your mind around this wonderful truth I can't can you imagine an environment with perfect peace and harmony? Can you fathom the thought of no more killing and no more? I mean, as far as I don't know, I know that the people that come into the millennium or the kingdom period will be only believers in the living God. Many Jews and Gentiles will be saved as well. We find that and we read that and talked about it last week. But there'll be other people born, keep in mind, during the millennial reign. That's a thousand years. That's a long time. <laughs> We've had a lot of babies born really young. Anyway, but the point is this. And, and so, so 1,000 year reign. Walt Disney portrays this. Hollywood pictures this, but God declares it. I mean, we're talking about Satan's arrested and the saints are resurrected and society is perfected. Why am I saying that? Y'all hear me. You know why I'm saying that? Because today, there are people who tell us, I've heard it, you've probably heard it, oh, Brother Randy, oh, preacher, if man just had the perfect environment, he wouldn't be a sinner. He wouldn't be evil. Really? I beg to differ with you. The problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. Man's a sinner by nature, choice, and birth. Paul said, and by nature you were children of wrath. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. How many know there's, a, there's something in us that doesn't want to obey God? And, and that's that uh, flesh and, and that human nature that we have that uh, wants to be our own God. Yes. And, and so, not only that, but uh, uh, you notice uh, 
the Lord is, uh, is going to reveal some things here about this free choice. Let's consider it for a moment. To listen and follow the devil or Jesus Christ. When the thousand years expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. You know, perfect environment, thousand years, and you'd think everybody would say no to the devil. Not so. So why would God do this? Why would a great and mighty God allow this to happen? I believe this is the reason. The thousand years expired. Satan will be loosed out of his prison. He should go out to do what? To see the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. And these are a number of whom as, as the sand of the sea. This is a host of people. Jesus said, wide and broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many will choose therein, but straight and narrow is the gate that leads to everlasting life. Few that be find it. Now, y'all, if you're asleep now, wake yourself up. Say, self, get, get wake up, because I'm fixing to show you something, and you don't want to walk out of here misunderstanding what I'm fixing to say. Online, same, same scenario. So if you're, if you're feeling drowsy, uh, open your eyes up real quick and hear what I'm fixing to say, okay? How many know that choices, uh, sometimes we don't always make the right choice? Me, you, everybody. That's why today I need Jesus. I need to depend upon the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit of God. It's just one decision, one bad decision. It, it don't take but one bad decision. Ask David, King David. I mean, you know, Ahab. Oh, what about Cain? I mean, the list goes on. Nimrod. One bad decision can really, really mess you up. And just because we're saved doesn't mean we won't make bad decisions. That's why I need the Lord like never before right now. How many of y'all are faced with decisions every day? Every day. What am I going to say to this person? How am I respond to this? What kind of investments do I need to make? What's going to bring God glory? How should I, what kind of job, where am I to live, you know? Decisions, decisions, decisions. How should I handle this person? What do I need to say to them? How do I need to act? I mean, all the time, every day. That's why I tell you the importance of yielding and surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm leading up to something. Sometimes we don't always make the best decision. Do you think if President Trump had to do it over again, he might have done something differently than he did on January the 6th. Y'all think that? Maybe. I'm just saying. I'm just asking you, okay? I'm not saying. I'm asking you. Do you think he might have done something different? Do you think he really knew what was really to transpire? I don't really think he did. Do you? I don't think he did. But decisions. Y'all listen now. Please hear me. Y'all listen. This is very important. You and I are one step away from making a bad decision that might cost us tremendously. I, I don't know about you, but I feel the weight of what I'm saying. And you know what I'm talking about, don't you? One step away from a bad decision. It's not just what you say, it's what we do. One step away. Now, now, now so, so I'm saying this, and, and I don't know all that went on, but I'm just saying this, decisions, choices. You say, but I'm not president. But you're 
Your testimony is important. One bad decision. One bad decision. Your testimony, your legacy, our influence. It don't take much. And listen to me. Y'all hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Hear me, hear me, hear me. What you have worked for a whole lifetime to build up credibility and character can come crashing down in one bad decision. You agree with me? That tells me I need Jesus. That tells me, left to myself, I will utterly mess up. Lord. That's why I'm, and I believe the message to me is total dependency upon the Lord. So, how does God speak to us? Let me give you this real quick, and we'll move to number three and be done. I was talking with someone this week about the how does God lead us, his will. Maybe some of you today are facing a decision. How do I know what God's will is? I personally use these four criteria or these four ways to determine the will of God for me in certain situations. When I'm not crystal clear on the will of God, I want to suggest to you write these down. Will you do it? Write these down. Number one, God speaks to us and leads us through his word, through his word. The entrance of thy word giveth light. That's Psalm 119, verse 130. God will speak to us through his word. Psalm 119, verse 105. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. The word of God is quick and powerful, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says. And there's other references in regards to, for example, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. The, uh, the just man walketh in, in his integrity. The path of the just is as a shining light that goeth more and more unto the perfect day. I love Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The just man walks in his integrity. His children should be blessed after him. Isn't that a great word? Anyway, here's the point. God speaks to us through his word. Now, the Lord might not say... He might not say, Eddie, do this, Eddie. He might not say that, right? You're not going to read in the Bible. I don't think Eddie's name's in the Bible. Does anybody know if Eddie's name's in the Bible? I don't think Eddie's name's not. My point is this. Sometimes when you look in the Bible and you don't see a direct, uh, this is what I need to do. You can read and sometimes the principles of the scripture or another person went through circumstances and you see how God acted or reacted to them and that can be a method of leading you by the word of God. Does that make sense? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, and, and, and so I would encourage you to, to seek out the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Number 2, not only the word of God, but number 2, the Lord leads us through circumstances. And I, I use all these four, and I would encourage you to do the same. When you're not sure about the will of God, don't make a haphazard decision. Pray over it. Wait on the Lord, lest you make the wrong decision. And so circumstances God will close doors God will open doors be wise step back see the overall picture the big picture Lord what are you up to Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia I've said before they open door no man can shut it the door I shut no man can open watch the circumstances watch how things happen you have to be really careful there that you're not led of deception or confusion because God's not the author of confusion but oftentimes if you weigh out the Word of God circumstances number three 
Number three. You ready for number three? Godly counsel. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. Proverbs, uh, Solomon said, where there's a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I want to tell you something. I'm grateful to God. We've got uh, some uh, dear men and women in the church that uh, I treasure their counsel. Come on, somebody say amen. I treasure. This is our Christian family. And by the way, if I'm going to seek out godly counsel, I'm not going to ask, and I want to suggest to you, don't seek out unwise counsel. That's contrary to the book of Proverbs. Well, how do I know wise counsel from unwise counsel? If the person who I'm asking the question what their opinion is or what they think I ought to do, you need to ask, and I need to ask this question, where are they at with God? How long have they been serving God? Is their lifestyle not perfect, but is their lifestyle showing a sign of obedience? Or are they really in uh, total disobedience to God? Because we all have blind spots and we all can be deceived. So, godly counsel, godly counsel. Number four, not only the Word of God, circumstances, godly counsel. Number four, inner peace, inner peace. Colossians chapter number three, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And so those four criteria, as you'll just wait upon the Lord, and God sometimes will delay his answer. It might not be in a day. It might not be in a week. It took 10 days in the book of Jeremiah for the Lord to answer. It took 21 days when Daniel fasted and prayed. God's an on-time God. And so I would say don't launch out in the flesh until you get a confirmation from the Lord. Then you got peace. Then your conscience is clear. Then you're able to sort through all the details, weighing out the pros and the cons, and ultimately the glory of God. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I feel like the Lord's going to help us right there. Number four. Well, excuse me, number three. Why does God allow this to happen to show us to, un, to not, to not underestimate the devil, but to appreciate and trust Jesus Christ? They went upon the breadth of the earth. Notice they went up. Why does it say they went up on the breadth of the earth? Why does it say they went up and compassed the camp of the saints and the beloved city? Here's the key. The beloved city is none other than Jerusalem. 764 times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible. And as you know, on a geological scale, Jerusalem is, I think, 2,400 feet above sea level. Therefore, when you read in the Bible, it says even though a person's traveling south, and it says they go up to Jerusalem, though they're traveling south, which you think it'd say they go down to Jerusalem, the truth is they're going up. It's situated on a number of hills. So here is the, they go up on the breadth of the earth and come past the camp of the saints, and that is these uh, innumerable hosts that the devil is unleashed out of prison. One last shot, one last shot, one last shot. And then fire came down from heaven and devoured them. God is going to intervene. The Lord is going to bring fire down from heaven just like that. As Revelation chapter 20 verse 9, fire comes down from heaven out of the God of heaven to devour them. And ultimately, the devil, according to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, and the devil that deceived them, the next verse says, was cast in the lake of fire. I about shout right there, hallelujah. The devil's going to be gone. No more devil. He'll be gone. Cast in the lake of fire and brimstone. Won't that be wonderful? Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. And where the beast and the false prophet are, remember in chapter 19, they're cast in there, and shall be tormented 
day and night, forever and forever and forever. Why would a great and mighty God allow the devil to be loosed out of his prison after being confined, arrested, saints resurrected, society perfected, Jesus Christ elected. Why? One. Cause. I think he's showing the devil's not in control. God is in control. Two. Man has a free choice. You have a free choice right now. What are you going to do with the word of God that's been shared with you today? And then you're going to follow the flesh, follow the devil, follow Jesus. What are you going to do? Then third. Don't underestimate the devil, but appreciate the Lord Jesus. Our conclusion is put our faith in Jesus. Confess our sin and put our dependency. Remember, decisions are very important. Do not underestimate the devil. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you that you give us, Lord, grace to run this race. And I need you. I need you every moment of every day. I'm convinced, Father, there's others that are here that, oh, Lord, we don't want to just shoot from the hip. We don't want to just knee-jerk reaction to things going around us. Give us grace to seek your face and find your will and be used as a tool in the Master's hand to be a blessing to people. Lord, we love your blessings. We bless you for your blessings. We uh, confess we're not any match for the supernatural forces of the organized, mobilized, and um, that uh, armies of the enemy. But thank you, Jesus. You've won the battle, and you're with us. And you're going to see us through. So I pray now for great grace as we seek your face right now. In Jesus' name, amen.